containers in the building. Greetings, 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 fine people. Greetings and welcome to the Stamp of Approval podcast. This is episode four, brought to you by my sponsors, Pickers Vodka, Davidson's Reserve, Tennessee Whiskey. Uh, Both are products of Pennington Distillery, a proud, privately owned, family owned, small business in Nashville, Tennessee. So when when it comes time to buy your drinks for the weekend, please stop in your liquor store, support Pickers Vodka and Davidson's Reserve. Tennessee whiskey. I want to give also, excuse me, want to give a, a big thank you to B hyphen. Hyphen is with the hyphen podcast group up in Morgantown, Tennessee. Uh, and he distributes uh, a lot of uh, just a wide variety of, of podcasts, all uh, produced by some very talented people. So I would encourage you to check them out and see if there's something that, uh, something else that you may want to subscribe to. But uh, definitely want to give a big shout out to be hyphen. Without him, this would not be possible. So um, let's see what what can we start out with this week. I do I do want to apologize for um, not being able to drop an episode last week. Um, it, it kind of unfortunate too. I had what I thought was going to be some good topics to talk about, and I actually did record two different podcasts. But somewhere along the of the line, with the microphone, with the computer, with the app, with emailing it, with something was going on to distort the the vocal, just to distort the sound. And I didn't want to to put a subpar product out there. So, uh, and then you know. Before I could finally get it remedied, the uh, the week kind of got away from me, and um, we just had to miss last week. But I, I appreciate you sticking with me, and hopefully we won't have those problems anymore as I am able to uh, drop these pretty regularly for you. I, and I appreciate all your support. I know a lot of you reached out this week saying, hey, dude, what's, what's going on? So, you know, there's a big monster elephant standing over there in the corner of the room, so let's talk about it. Georgia... And I know not everybody's a Georgia fan. I know I would say probably the majority of you are Georgia fans, but not everybody. Uh, some of you I know are South Carolina fans, and you're looking forward to this. What's up, Coach Brad? Um, and so, yeah, let's let's get right into what happened in Athens. Um, and that seems to be the question on every Bulldog fan's mind. What happened in Athens? Because they can't fathom that another team, especially someone with the troubles that South Carolina has, could go into Athens, line up, and just whip the Bulldogs straight up. And you know what? That shouldn't be allowed to happen. But, you know, like a friend of mine told me a while back, hey, South Carolina gives scholarships to, they pay their coaches, they have a weight room, they watch film, and Saturday, pure, simple, point blank, they just wanted it more. They came to play ball. Their coaches came to coach ball. And they were able to walk into Sanford Stadium and for 60 minutes plus the overtime, they were able to whip Georgia's tail pretty solid. Um, there's nothing else to say. Now, now, Georgia still had opportunities to win and had Jake Fromm not had a historical bad game for him. Three interceptions, one unforced fumble. I mean, just, you know, you just have to – and that I think that kind of makes you appreciate 
you know, when, when Jake Fromm has one of these just amazing games or games uh, in a row, or when you see a quarterback, you know, like a Tom Brady that just never seems to have a bad game, that just shows you Jake Fromm is as good a college quarterback as there is, but he's capable of just laying an egg. But I think that started in practice last week, or yeah, last week now. Uh, the team was uninspired. And that was evident. I was watching it on television. That was evident. The team was uninspired. And it was evident that the coaches were uninspired. I have no idea of what, why that, how that could happen. You only get 12 chances a year uh, guaranteed to play football. You know, to walk out there in front of 95,000, to, to wear your dang Georgia gear, walk out there, do your dog walk, and, and wave at mom and daddy up in the stands, and and run over there by the student section and look up in there and try to find that girl that you were talking to last week in class that didn't believe you played on the football team. You get what I'm saying. You only get 12 of them a year. You only get four conference home games a year. Four. You know, real games. I mean, there, there's there's six home games. and Some years, I guess there's seven, but that includes a couple of patsy games that don't matter. But you've got four conference home games. You've got South Carolina, one of your rivals. How you're not inspired to play that, I have no idea. Uh, football man that I really respect has been going to Sanford Stadium and seeing the dogs play since the 80s. Uh, has had the same seats right there basically on the 50-yard line just a few rows up behind the UGA bench. Called me after the game and said, nobody was, was ready. nobody was in the game. The offensive line was not in the game. Coach Sam Pittman was not in the game. Kirby was not in the game. He said, I don't know what it was, but they were just not there. He said, well, you can tell when the offensive line is ready to play, guys like Cade Mays, Isaiah Wilson, are just absolutely driving guys into the dirt and then kicking dust on them. And he said, they they were getting driven back this time. They were... I've got a saying everybody that's been around me for any length of time has heard me say you're either the hammer or the nail. Well, Saturday, Georgia's offensive line was the nail. And I hate to tell you guys, but coming down the pipe in Jacksonville in a couple of weeks, over in Auburn in a couple of weeks after that, those hammers are going to be a lot bigger than what they saw this past Saturday at South Carolina. Trust me on that. They've got to get that fixed. I think for Georgia's offensive line, it's just a matter of getting the attitude fixed and wanting to show up. I personally wouldn't be surprised if we didn't make a move at center. Um, Trey Hill did not have his best game. I don't know. Admittedly, I have not watched enough interior offensive line play this year to really decipher how effective Trey Hill has been. But I know Saturday he was a weak link, but they were all weak links Saturday. Andrew Thomas did play well, as expected. That's why he's going to get paid well uh, in a few months. Uh, I think that Georgia also really missed Tyson Campbell at that cornerback. They were uh, they they didn't throw much at Eric Stokes, but they they seemed to hit their big plays. Uh, specifically, the touchdown to Brian Edwards was over Divide Wilson, the backup cornerback, the young guy who, who's not played a lot of football. Uh, DJ Daniel, they hit some plays on him. He's He and Wilson were playing the same cornerback position. They were in and out. So they were picking on that side of the ball, which is where six foot three Tyson Campbell would be if he was healthy. Uh, kudos to South Carolina for picking that matchup out and exploiting it. 
And, and injuries are part of it. But you can't make an excuse. Everybody's got injuries. Uh, but I do think that hurt Georgia a lot uh, in this game. More, Just a head-scratcher for me as far as Georgia goes, where is the pass rush? Where is the pass rush? We from, from the guys who are supposed to rush the passer. Nolan Smith has flashed this year, um, as has uh, Jermaine Johnson. I didn't hear Jermaine Johnson's call Saturday. He may have gotten hurt. If he did, my apologies. Um, South Carolina neutralized our pass rush to the effect that we would have to try to blitz to get pressure, and when we did, they would burn us. They, you know, their quarterbacks were a little mobile, especially the back, the third team guy that ended up on the depth chart that, that ended up coming in was mobile. Uh, he was able to escape our rush and, and make some positive plays. But Georgia, and this is this has been a problem that's been going on for some time now. Georgia is going to have to find a way to pressure the passer by not bringing a cornerback or a safety blitz. You've got to pressure the passer with your front four. And if you want to sprinkle in some blitzes every now and then, that's fine. But a good quarterback will chew you up if you have to bring a blitz to get to him. I don't know if it's – you know, and just the irrational fan in me would say, hey, well, 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 look at what South Carolina did. They did a lot of stunts, a lot of twists, as did Tennessee. The Georgia offensive line, for the most part, did a pretty good job. We allowed some sacks, but if you think, if you look back at it, they gave Jake Fromm time to throw the ball. He should have either made a quicker decision, throw the ball away, or to to the next point, we've got to find some receivers that can get open. I mean, we just do. You know, Fromm can't throw the ball to people that aren't open, and our receivers, there are times when we have a certain receiver group in the game that looks like they're all magnets. Looks like, looks like they're all wearing Velcro, and the, the DB is just able to stick to them. So a lot of problems for Georgia. Taking nothing away from South Carolina, they came in and they whipped butt. Didn't they, Coach Brad? You happy, boy? So I do think that Georgia, I'm not, I'm not, you know, and I've heard a lot of Georgia, I'm, I'm done, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. You know what, guys? Georgia is still as good as, as we thought they were. You know, and here's the thing. One game isn't going to make or break it. You know, Ohio State, year in, year out, has some just head-scratcher losses. You know, Georgia typically does not have these head-scratchers. You know, losing to LSU last year on the road at Tiger Stadium, no shame in that. Uh, LSU, I think, was a top-10 team at the time. Losing on the road a couple years before that in 17 at Auburn, Absolutely no shame in that. They were a top five team at the time. This South Carolina loss is troubling, though. It, and it is, just to put it in context, it is the worst loss in Georgia football history when you compare what Georgia was favored to win by. They went off anywhere from 21.5 up to 24, depending on which when you put the bet in, and they lost the game straight up. Prior to that, the worst loss had been a loss to Vandy when they were uh, – or Vandy or maybe wait for – I think it was Vandy when Georgia was a 20-point favorite. Inexcusable either way you slice it, but here's the thing. I don't – Georgia has issues, okay? They don't, we have issues on, at the wide receiver position. We have issues rushing the passer. And we may have some issues in the secondary. Our safety, Richard LeCount, seems to take bad angles at times. 
hopefully that's something that the coaches can fix. But you've heard what I've been saying all along about Alabama. Alabama has problems. Alabama has problems. They're giving up points on defense. They're scoring a lot of points on offense, but they're giving up points on defense. Now, will they be able to outscore one of the top-notch defenses in the country? I don't know. You know, LSU looks pretty good too, but once again, they just allowed 20. They allowed Kyle Trask to throw for over 300 yards on them. If there's one thing nobody said about Florida recently, and that's that they're an offensive machine. Auburn went, I meant Florida, excuse me, went down to LSU Saturday night and moved the football and scored 28 points, and LSU got some key stops late. LSU made Florida's offense look a lot better than Auburn did at home the week before, in Gainesville the week before. So I don't know about LSU's defense either. Their offense looks good, but there again, you know, we just don't know how, how much they've been tested. Florida went down there without an empty tank after the emotional home win over Auburn. So those are the three coming into the season. Well, Alabama, Georgia were the big two in the SEC. LSU with their win over Texas solidified them a spot. All three of those teams have issues. I've told you my, my, what I think is an issue with Clemson. I think Clemson's offensive line is going to be a weak point for them. There's your top four teams have issues. Ohio State, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself with Wisconsin, but Ohio State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma went down to the Red River rivalry at a seven-point win over Texas, but it, was, it, it wasn't as close as that. Um, Oklahoma outgained Texas by 200 yards. Five, they, Oklahoma had over 500. Texas had around 300. That game shouldn't have been that close. Um, Sam Ellinger for Texas could get no nothing going on the ground. Um, Oklahoma defense played did pretty well against him, shut him down pretty well. But you know, again, I'm I've been and you, if you've listened to me ever since the Sugar Bowl last year, I've never I was not bought into Texas this year, so that win doesn't really doesn't really uh, impress me a lot. Let's talk about Wisconsin. While we're talking about Wisconsin, let's um, revisit when I gave you the uh, my college football, pro football preview uh, back on the Monster and the Man podcast. I don't know if you if you picked if you heard that or not, but I suggested that you get LSU at twenty five to one, and I suggested that you get Wisconsin at two hundred to one to win the national championship. What are those tickets looking like now? Very good. Uh, I think LSU something like eight to one. Wisconsin's like twelve to one. And for those of you that are holding those tickets, you can hedge now. Okay, you can hedge and make some money. You can you can guarantee yourself a profit. That's a good place to be. Wisconsin, I think, is the the surprise team in the country. We talk about we don't know how good team A, team B, team C because they haven't played anybody. Wisconsin has actually played what we thought was somebody. They played Michigan and beat them like a yard dog. They played Michigan State this past week, beat them 38 to nothing. They've given up 29 points in six games this season. Impressive. Impressive. I mean, we know about their offense. We know they're going to line up and pound you. Quarterback Jack Cohn is, is, looks like he's come in and been a, a significant upgrade over Alex Hornerbrook. I am really, really looking forward to that Wisconsin-Ohio State game uh, next weekend on the 26th. 
Wisconsin goes to Ohio State. I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, and, and obviously the winner of that game will have – you know, I would say would have a, a, a big leg up on the, on the playoff spot, but they're probably going to have to turn around and play again in the conference championship game. And would a one-loss Big Ten team get in? There's a lot of things that would have to, to fall their way, but it'll be interesting to see. So it seems like those are the top seven teams. I can't, I don't, I can't really identify another serious contender I'm, unless you may want to, you may want to try to put Florida up there. I just do not see Florida be, being there at the end. I just don't. I don't see Notre Dame being there at the end. I think your play, your four playoff spots will be occupied by either LSU, Alabama, Georgia. Yeah, I'm, I'm still saying Georgia. Ohio State, Oklahoma, um, Wisconsin, Clemson. I think that Clemson has, as I've told you before, a very easy route to get there. Um, and what happens when they get there with that offensive line uh, it'll depend on their matchup. I do. Uh, I don't like them playing, you know, an LSU ish type team. I, I don't even like them playing a Georgia or an Ohio State ish type team, because I think that's where the, the the ideal matchup for Clemson would be to draw like an Oklahoma in the first round, and then you know see what happens for the the championship games. I think they match up very well with Oklahoma. Let's move on to. Um, Talk about a little bit about the uh, the weekend that was. I know we've we've already kind of run over a lot of the games, but Bama goes to Texas A and M, gets a pretty easy win. Uh, but again, the defense allowed points. Tua went crazy. Um, turn the page. What's what's new? You know, their their offense is just electric, just on fire. But Texas A and M, as I mentioned, did score points. Texas A and M. Um, of the Texas A&M that's not exactly been lighting it up on offense. They move the ball on, on Alabama. Alabama is going to have to figure out a way to stop people if they're going to make a deep run this year. The LSU-Alabama game is becoming just more and more intriguing because LSU, as I told you, they have pro- they have, they're not a perfect team. Look at their head coach. Who believes in Ed Orgeron these days? Not bad. Now, I will give Ed Orgeron credit. He's... He's given the he's he's turned it over to his coordinators. You know, you guys you guys handle it. I'm gonna sit here, I'm gonna say, go Tigers. But you guys handle it. And it's been working like a charm. But do you really believe that Ed Orgeron can lead his team to the playoffs? So it, it, uh, raise your hand if you as a college football fan would like Ed Orgeron running your team right now. Not many people have their hands up, do they? So it, the Alabama LSU will will and, and, and you know I guess Auburn thinks they're still going to have a say in it and they very well may if Bo Nix can get his stuff straight. I personally think that is a um, an Alabama LSU division, and at this point I'm not ready to pick a winner. Um, I would say in historic history tells us that Alabama has owned LSU. But again, Alabama has major problems on defense, and what can LSU do? Move the football. There may be 150 points scored in that game, which would just set the college football world on its ear. 
if the same two teams that played to what what was it six to nothing or six to three or nine to three just a few years ago, if those teams go out there and light it up and one of them wins sixty two to fifty eight, <laughs> something else. You know, that's again what makes college football great. Georgia just completely lays an egg to South Carolina. Um, I'm not ready to write Georgia off yet. I, I, I mentioned all the things that, that they were whipped by South Carolina uh, Saturday, what, what the weaknesses was. But in spite of all that, numbers still do not lie. Georgia out, outgained South Carolina in yards, 470 to, to almost 300. They had 31st downs to South Carolina, 16. They had 36 minutes of possession to South Carolina's 24. Now, in fairness, since we're putting everything out there, South Carolina was down to their third team quarterback. He, he was obviously the backup Saturday, but just a few weeks ago, that kid was playing wide receiver. So that's something to, that evens things out too. But minus the historical bad game, historically rather, bad game by Jake Fromm, that the pick six was – just an, an inexcusable throw. He, I don't know if he meant to throw the ball out of bounds or not, but he should have. And that's, you know, Jake Fromm, when he was a freshman, had a throw he tried to throw out of bounds. He just didn't get it out of bounds. He's got to throw the ball up in the stands. So there are a lot of those plays that, that led to South Carolina beating Georgia on the scoreboard. If they play again 100 times, I think Georgia wins 100. Because... Even as bad as Georgia was, they still outgained them by 170 yards and and had almost twice had twice the first downs and you know had a big time of possession advantage. So I I, I think Georgia's going to get it fixed. They're just too good not to, uh, unless there's an underlying problem that that I haven't heard about. But Georgia is a good team. They will, I think, this will serve as a uh, the proverbial kick in the tail, and I think they will. They'll probably. I, I do look for Georgia to win out. I do look for Georgia to. Uh, I do look for. If, I think if if Georgia wins the SEC, assuming that a key player, a Jake Fromm or a DeAndre Swift, doesn't uh, suffer an injury, they're going to have to get better at wide receiver. I feel like George Pickens and and. Uh, Dominic Blaylock will. I'd like to see Pickens and Blaylock playing a lot more alongside Lawrence Cager. I think those are the upperclassmen on the receiving court, Georgia, you've been there a long time. You've had your shot. If you're not significantly head and shoulders above George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock now after they just stepped on campus, then you're going to have to step aside and let these kids go. Because if they're even with you right now and you've been on campus two, three, four years, move out of the way. Okay, I think they get the wide receiver problem solved. Um, Jake Fromm and James Coley can get on the offensive coordinator can get on the same page, and I look for Georgia to 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 clean this thing up and make a run. And if I'm wrong, hey, I'll admit on I'm wrong. I'll, I'll say I'm wrong, but I, that's just, I just think Georgia's far too talented not to. I tell you who else is um far too talented, and that's um the makers of my Pickers Vodka and my Davidson's Reserve Tennessee Whiskey uh, had a, uh, a great time this past weekend up in the mountains, 40th birthday celebration for a great friend of mine, Jeff Moore. And um, we all, everybody, we all loved, we all enjoyed our Pickers and our Davidson's Reserve. The girls were primarily drinking the vodka. Um, the boys, we would 
pour us up a uh, pour us up a whiskey on the rocks as we we're watching football and sip it, and, and we had a real good time. So again, thanks to Pickers and to Davidson's Reserve for um, for, for sponsoring the the podcast, and I would like to um, ask you guys to support them whenever possible because you are supporting small business in America, and as you know, small business is the backbone of America. Moving on to the NFL, and if you're in Georgia, if you're around Atlanta, you probably don't want to hear anything about it. I told you a couple of weeks ago the Falcons were done, and not even I, 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 I didn't even see this, this level of ineptitude coming. It's obvious that Dan Quinn has completely lost the team. And that really sucks because there are a lot of good people that work for the Falcons and they're working in the Quinn regime. And unfortunately, I think a lot of them are going to be displaced and lose the job over there. They'll have to go find another job in football. And that means uprooting, uh, you know, wives that have jobs or or in some of the uh, other cases of the trainers, maybe families, husbands of, of some trainers and whatnot have jobs. You got kids in school. Kids are in their football season or cheerleading season or basketball or whatever. And those families are going to be uprooted. But, again, that's part of football. You know it getting in. But Dan Quinn, uh, it's it's just time. It's just time. Uh, he, he His sideline demeanor is growing more and more just I – don't, I, don't, I don't even know really the, the word to put on it. It's, it's almost like just a – kind of just a – like, he'd rather be anywhere than where he is. The players aren't responding. I mean, once again, they gave up 34 points yesterday, 34 points to a rookie quarterback and a rookie coach, 34 points. The rookie coach is a very talented offensive coach. As, as you guys know, I have a relationship or, uh, you know, have a I've been friends, acquaintances with Cliff Kingsbury for a few years and, Super, super, unbelievably talented offensive – just football coach, period, but one of the best offensive minds in the game, period. That's how he – people wonder how he got an NFL job after just getting fired from college. Everyone in the industry knew this guy's an offensive genius. But regardless, if you're Dan Quinn, you're coming off a, a Super Bowl loss a couple of years ago, you're picked to win, to possibly threaten for the division and make the playoffs this year – and you lose to a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach. Just inexcusable, man. Just inexcusable. I mean, Matt Ryan, I forgot the, the graphic, but Matt Ryan threw for like 360. Uh, I think he was 30 out of 36 for 360, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and lost. But yet there are people today criticizing Matt Ryan. Hmm. Main problem with the Falcons, as, as we as I've been saying, it's you, you you've got to build a football team as you would a house or a building. You have to build the foundation first. You have to. And the foundation on a football team is the offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage. You've got to be stout there. The Falcons have taken the alternate route. They built the team from the outside in. They built the roof and the the fancy lighting and the and, and, and all the, the deck and, you know, everything, the, the master bedroom. They built all that first. They're going to build the foundation later. But before they got to the foundation, the house fell down, right? 
Once again, the Falcons' offensive line can't block, can't protect. Defensive line can't get pass rush, can't stop anybody. Allowed Kyler Murray to throw for over well over 300 yards. Kyler Murray had a great game yesterday, 27-37, over 300, like 334, three touchdowns, no interceptions. You have to build your team from the inside out. Some You would think these guys that get paid a lot of money would figure that out, but they haven't. You know, you, And it's not just the Falcons. Look at the San Diego Chargers. What do they have? They have a top, a big money quarterback, big money running back, Melvin Gordon, big money receiver, Keenan Allen. Can't beat their way out of a wet paper sack. Kansas City Chiefs got my boy Pat Mahomes out there. They don't have an offensive line. He's on the run all the time, which, you know, getting Pat on the run is a, you may want to not want to get Pat on the run because that's when he can really kill you. But regardless, you got to protect the guy. L.A. Rams. Let's look at who they're paying. Gave Todd Gurley a lot of money before they had to. Gave Jared Goff a lot of money. Gave their offensive line no money. They're bad. They can't move the football. The L.A. Rams cannot move the football. With one of the brightest minds in the game, Sean McVay. The Falcons are right in that same boat, guys. Until they get some linemen, some real NFL linemen. I I, got to go back a little bit. I I said early this year that I thought the Falcons would be better because they they had upgrades at the offensive line position. I said last year they were poor. This year they will be around average or slightly below average, which was an upgrade, which should equate to more wins. It doesn't work like that. The Falcons still can't protect Matt Ryan. They still can't establish a run. You know why? They've got Julio Jones, game's highest paid wide receiver out wide. Devontae Freeman, who at the time he signed his contract, two years before they had to pay him, I might add, was the highest paid running back. Matt Ryan, who at the time he signed his uh, quarterback contract, I think was the highest paid quarterback. You can't win like that. Those are shiny toys. Those are accessories. Okay, those are things that are that that are luxuries to have. They're not necessities. Necessities are linemen, defensive linemen, offensive linemen, defensive ends. Why do you think the Patriots are winning? It ain't because of Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady's great, but it's their defense, man. Name me the last big money, and you can't say Antonio Brown. Name me the last big money wide receiver the Patriots had. Yeah, exactly. You can't. Name me the last big money running back they had. You can't. They spend their money where it matters, on the lines of scrimmage. That's the problem with the NFL. That's the problem with the Atlanta Falcons. You know, and, and it's going to, and they've created a monster now. It's going to take them a while to, to, to get around it, to get away from it. They got to get out of the Julio contract somehow. They got to get out of the Matt Ryan deal. They got to, I don't know how they're going to get out of the Devontae uh, Freeman deal. I mean, a small, undersized, concussion-prone running back that they broke off two years before they had to. Just, just not smart. Not smart. Not smart at all. Well, enough of that. The Falcons getting me all worked up. Uh, did want to, you know, I, I mentioned 
And I know a lot of us, I know a lot of you guys don't want to, uh, don't want to get into, you know, let's talk about sports. Let's keep it light. Um, but I want to get into the, you know, I want to revisit the college paying kids, um, conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago and and primarily, but the reason is I got a lot of response from, from a lot of you on email, on text, on, on social media, on DM. And, and it was funny. I got a lot of, of reaction from both sides and, and I, and I like that. I like, I like people, you know, we've all got, that's what makes America great is we all have different opinions and we're all able to share different, differing opinions. And I, w- I, w- I think I'm right here when I said that, that it would never happen. It will never happen the way that it's being drawn up. I think the cooler heads will prevail and are the smarter heads. And they will figure out a way for these kids. I mean, and you know what's funny? We call them kids. I mean, they're 18, they're 19, they're 20, 21, 22, 23. I mean, they're grown adults. They're expected to be positive members of society. They're expected to have jobs and, and, and provide. I think that the cooler, the, the smarter heads will, will prevail here and they will figure something out. But you can't just say, pay them whatever they're worth. If somebody wants to give this kid a million dollars, they ought to be able to give them a million dollars. At some point in time, you've got to look at the big picture and who all is included here. Now, if you want to get selfish and say, well, that's, you know, what happens to other kids is not this kid's problem. Yeah, you're right. But what you could do is you could destroy the entire thing and it will be destroyed. Because make no mistake about it, all these universities and colleges and people that sponsor, they're in it for one thing, is they're making money. If they're all of a sudden not making as much money there as they want to be, then they'll stop doing it. So there is a way it can happen, but it has to happen to where everybody's happy with it. I personally still say that they they are paid, and they are. Depending on the school they go to, their stipend that they get for their cost of living. You know, these kids are making what they make at a part-time job. And they don't have student debt. They get a clothing allowance. They get travel money home. They get, obviously, food money. They get to eat on campus. but Plus, they get a food uh, allowance every quarter, every semester, whatever it is anyway, for when the meal, the mess halls or dining hall, whatever you want to call it, is closed at night or on weekends. They get the very best legal representation if they need it. I mean, the very best. Ed Tolley's been the best attorney in Athens forever, and if a kid for University of Georgia football team gets in trouble, guess who his attorney is? Ed Tolley. They get the best of everything, guys. So I think what we need to look at is it's just not as, as cut and dry as let's just pay them, let them get whatever. Because you could destroy what so many people have benefited from and what many people will benefit from. So let's figure out a way. I'm, I'm all for figuring out a way to do it, but just creating a Wild West that you're going to allow, you know, the agents and runners and, and uh, the uh, advisors, that's the, the new catchphrase, I guess. You, you're going to allow these guys to come in there and, 
negotiate with with people for these kids and these kids parents they have no business negotiating deals like that they're just, they're just green at it we need to figure out a, a better way and i think that slowly people will figure something out but i know modeling something after california you know how i feel about that i told you on episode three if california says do something run the other way absolute mess is california didn't want, I don't want to get too much into the China NBA thing. I think that's a mess. I think it's, uh, it is just a, you know, it's an embarrassment, quite frankly, that a, that someone would speak out for democracy and freedom and the owner of the Rockets, some players on the Rockets, uh, Steve Kerr specifically would somewhat take up for them, you know, or would, would take the sides of communist China is ex- essentially what they're doing. If we're really just cutting to the chase, just embarrassing for them altogether. Cause they're the, usually the first ones that, that scream for human rights and equal rights and, and things like that. And in this case, you know, they're siding with the, uh, most tyrannical government or major government specifically in the world today. You know, communist China plays by their own rules. If, if what happened over the, uh, this incident doesn't prove that to you, one man said, one th- tweeted something that said free Hong Kong communist China and their government went crazy. Didn't show the games on television. They, they severed sponsorships. One thing. Think about that. One thing. One man tweeted one thing. What if every time Donald Trump or, or excuse me, every time Steve Kerr or LeBron James or uh, Greg Popovich or one of the one of the more other vocal NBA players, every time if he said one thing remotely negative about America or about Donald Trump, and the same thing happened here, the outrage. Once again, guys, that's why America is the greatest country in the world, bar none. And because we have people, and it is their right as an American to side with communist China if they want to. I think they're cowards. Maybe I'm old school, but almost every male in my family fought for that right. And if I can, they have the right to do it, but I also have the right to think they're a coward. Off my soapbox, guys. I hope you've enjoyed uh, Stamp of Approval, episode four. Um, and you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to put my stamp of approval. I'm going to start a little a little um, tradition. We're going to do a stamp of approval every week on, on something. It could be a person. It could be a happening, a game, uh, whatever it is. But I do want to – I think it's a cool thing, and I do want to do it. I'm going to give my stamp of approval this time. Let me do it. I'm going to give my stamp of approval. Put my stamp of approval on youth sports coaches. Man, I don't know. I, I've done it, obviously, and, and I will do it again. But I truly appreciate y'all, and I hope everybody else does too. Because, look, guys, I mean, those guys are it, – it takes a lot to commit to that. They have to be there every day or whenever the practices are. They have to, to relay information to you. They have, you know, in a football team, they may have anywhere from 16 to 23 or 24 players. And everybody's got to get playing time. Everybody's mom and daddy thinks that Junior's a quarterback or a running back. People, and every parent in the stands and, 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 you know, in the parking lot is snickering back and forth and saying negative things that, you know, the coaches' families or, or, or kids may hear. 
Guys, I appreciate you. Every single one of you. And if you're a parent listening and, and you've said some things, you want to say some things, you disagree with play calls or playing time or, or you know, daddy ball. And let's just be honest. Daddy ball happens, guys, but that's the cost of it. That's I, I personally have no problem with it. I really don't. If a dad wants to, is going to spend his time and spend hundreds of hours coaching my kid, and the price of that is no money out of my pocket, but, but his kid gets to play this position or this much or bat here or pitch there, I have no problem with it. What these kids do now at age 7, 9, 10 has no bearing on what they're going to do in high school, college, or the professional ranks if, if they're so gifted, okay? Stamp of approval goes out to youth football, youth sport, not youth, youth football, youth sports coaches, period. I appreciate you guys. Stamp of approval, episode four, is in the books. Thank you again to my sponsors, Pickers Vodka, Davidson's Reserve, Tennessee Whiskey. Uh, we'll catch up with you guys for episode five. Uh, hopefully we have us a good, ha- good weekend coming up this week. Uh, we'll have some good football to talk about next week and uh, maybe touch up on a little, uh, little of the baseball. Like, so I didn't want to talk about the Braves because um, – it pisses me off. Stamp of approval, episode four, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me. Y'all have a great week. Many a day has passed. The night has gone by. But still I find the time to put that bomb off in your eye. Total chaos. But these playoffs thought we was absent. We're taking another route to represent the Dungeon family like Grey Day. Me and my decide to take the back way. We stabbing every city, then we headed to that back cave. ATL, Georgia, where do we do fall ya? Bulldog and like them Georgetown call ya. Boy, you sign the silly thing. My room is sitting pretty doing donuts. Why you suckers like them suckers around titties? Hey, yeah, you. You like comic books, anime, and stuff? Sure you do. Who the hell doesn't? And that's why you should listen to a podcast called Fresh. It's like audio cliff notes of ancient texts painstakingly translated by us for you. So do yourself a favor. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Trust me, we're everywhere. So don't forget, it's a podcast called Fresh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, and anywhere podcasts are casted. What kind of it is that? It's like sound advice or whatever. It's like comics, conventions, and cosplay or whatever. It's like ladies' night or whatever. It's like wrestling or whatever. It's like parenting or whatever. It's like anime, or whatever. It's like spiritual warfare, or whatever. It's like great friends, awesome people, coming around doing what we do best, or whatever. You should watch, listen, and follow, or whatever. It's like a podcast, or whatever. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and comment. This has been a Hyphen Podcast Network production. They're the bestest. I'm getting paid at exposure.